Happy Friday, everybody. It is time now for Options Action. I am not Melissa Lee. I'm Brian Sullivan, and we have got a great show lined up for you on this Friday. Here is what's on deck. Don't let this fry your charge controller. Carter Worth thinks Tesla stock is about to shift into neutral. He'll translate the road signs. Then, everyone's also getting amped up about Tesla stock split. But it's not the first company to do so, nor the last. And there's a ton of other corporate actions that can impact any company's stock. Professor Ko has a lesson on how the options market takes those in stride. Plus, hold on to your hammers. Home Depot already reported earnings, but that's not stopping Tony Zhang from building a trade right now. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Yeah, risk less, make more. Sounds pretty good. Let's get right to it. Okay. It has been an electric year for Tesla and its investors. Bears have been, well, shocked. The stock rallying again today. It's up nearly 400% in 2020. Pandemic be darned. Tesla's market cap now more than Walmart. But the chart master says it may be time to pump the brakes on this red hot automobile. Carter Worth, take it away. You bet. Obviously, it's a phenom. It's epic. But there are also sequencing uh, patterns in any ascent or descent. And that's what we're going to try to look at right now. So the first chart, uh, this is just an all data chart. Since the IPO uh, back in uh, 2010, it was exactly uh, a decade ago, June, the summer of 2010, no judgments, annotations uh, by me. Now take a look at the second chart. What I've tried to show here is the sequencing. Basically, after the IPO in 2010, you have a dormant period, right, where the stock between 2011 and 2012 doesn't do anything. And then basically, it goes on a 10x move. You can see that there. Then sideways again, and then another 10x move. So take a look at the third chart, and now you can see uh, where I've put those numbers in. So basically, IPO at $17 on the stock split. It'll be down to 3.5 at the end of this month with a split, 5 for 1. But essentially, after the IPO, a very quiescent, dormant period for 2011-2012. And then essentially... Tesla goes on a, on a, a tear, a literally 25 to 250 a share, a 10-bagger. And then he's dormant again, which you can see there from basically 2015 to 2019. A lot of volatility, but making no net progress. And then here in the past year, similar to the one-year 10-bagger in uh, 2013, we see again a 10-bagger, in this case 210 to today's high 2100. So the issue is any given time, uh, a stock has the prospects of going up, down, or sideways. Uh, like in good test taking, you want to try to eliminate the scenario or scenarios you think are unlikely. And I think a meaningfully higher on an intermediate basis is unlikely, and that leaves us with sideways or down. And so I've written in there dormant with a question mark. Are we now entering the next phase where it has to, uh, let's say, catch up with its valuation? So. Uh, two more slides. Take a look at the fourth. This is a slide. It just, you know, incredibly, if one had uh, put ten thousand uh, dollars into Tesla at its IPO, uh, a whopping one point two million. Now that's nifty. And then just to put that in comparison, the final slide. Look here at uh, if one had put ten thousand since Tesla's IPO in other marquee names. 
Netflix would have returned your ten thousand. You'd be at uh, almost a three bagger, two ninety three. Uh, Amazon, you'd have two hundred and eighty thousand, and Apple one hundred and thirty. Not bad, ten thousand to one thirty, but no Tesla. In any event, the thinking here is it's a bit hot, uh, dormancy sideways. Amazing. First off, ten grand into one point two something million, unbelievable. And your dormant chart made me think about you know charge time versus run time. Maybe the stock will be the same way. <laughs> Mike Coe, what's the trade now on Tesla? Yeah, so it's it's interesting the technical setup that Carter is talking about here because if you take a look at how options are currently priced. They're not exactly expecting a really dormant period. To put things in perspective, the implied volatility on Tesla right now in the options market is about 80%. So if we think about it, that means that the options market is implying that the stock could be higher or lower by about 20% in a month, a little over 30% in a quarter, and you know somewhere in the neighborhood of over a 12-month period that it could swing 50%, 60% or so. So the options market is expecting some pretty big moves. After all of this, while the technical setup might be suggesting that some of this run is over, one of the things that does is when options premiums get this expensive, it is a nice opportunity, presumably, to try to sell some premium. But you know, we're talking about pretty chunky options prices here. So what I'm taking a look at is just going out to September, and I was looking at the 2250, 2300 call spread. So for a stock that is over $2,000 as of today's closing price. Prices a spread that's only fifty dollars wide is relatively small. It's still big compared to most stocks, but it's small compared to Tesla's share price. Selling that call spread would collect about thirteen dollars and fifty cents in premium. Of course, the most that spread could be worth is fifty dollars. The idea here is that we're trying to take advantage of the fact that options premiums are elevated. We're assuming that the stock is going to bump into a little bit of resistance here. I think most of the fundamental stories we might talk about with Tesla, while very interesting. Haven't really proven to have a big impact on the share price historically. It's trading 250 times earnings. People are a little bit concerned about regulatory emissions credits that they get about a hundred, you know, 1.5 billion for the year, and that's approximately what the company is expected to earn. But I, I don't think that those fundamental stories right now are really what's driving the stock price. But if you are inclined to, yeah. you know, basically hit the pause button, that call spread is a way to collect a little bit of premium. All right. What about Tony? What's your what's your thought there on the Tesla? How to make the money? The mic trade. So I really like this particular trade. First of all, I really like Carter's chart setup. His chart pattern with the continuation pattern projecting up ten times on that long term chart. But if you actually apply that same pattern to a three month chart, you'll actually see the exact same pattern. During June, Tesla traded sideways just below a thousand, rallied seven hundred dollars into that sixteen fifty level, consolidated for a few weeks before rallying another seven hundred dollars to the current level that we're currently trading at. So I really like this as as a highlight of how technical analysis is a tool that investors can use when there's no price history on a stock like Tesla to know exactly when it's going to pause its current rally. And if you look at Mike's trade here, it is the from my perspective the perfect trade. For this type of trade setup, from a technical analysis perspective, where you're expecting the stock to trade sideways, perhaps a little higher, perhaps a little lower, selling a call credit spread makes a lot of sense. But because I feel so strongly about the technical levels here, 
I would actually get a little bit more aggressive on the strike prices. And I know why Mike chose to choose a 50-point credit spread that's about $200 out of the money, because it's really difficult to bet against Tesla continuing its rise. So having that type of buffer makes a lot of sense. But again, because I feel so strongly about the technical levels, I would get a little bit more aggressive. I would be looking at the 2100, 2150 credit spread, which is still 50 points wide, but that'll collect about $19.30, which is close to 40% of the width. It does have a little lower probability of profit, but it has a significantly better risk to reward ratio at about one and a half to one versus almost three to one on Mike's credit spread. All right, there you go. Really good in-depth discussion on Tesla. Certainly stock and options everybody seems to care about. All right, why don't we switch gears now? The housing market is going through the roof. Existing home sales jumping nearly 25% in July. And if that sounds like a big number, it, it is. In fact, it's not only a big number. It's the biggest monthly gain ever on record. It is just the latest bullish sign for the builders. The XHB Home Builder ETF up nearly 20% this year. One big housing-related name just reported results this week. And if you missed out, fear not. Tony's got a way that you can still build a winning trade out of it. Take it away, Tony. Yeah, so I want to explore this fundamental shift in consumer spending away from travel and entertainment into home improvement and furniture. Um, And I specifically want to take a look at, as you just said, the extremely strong housing numbers and how that translates into what I think is a very strong Q2 into what could potentially be uh, even stronger Q3 and second half for names like Home Depot. Now, if we look at the chart itself, if we look at Home Depot, it's a very strong bullish chart. But what I particularly like about this current trade is the fact that earnings actually knocked the stock down a little bit towards its 20-day moving average, which for me is a much better entry point for a long position here for Home Depot. And if we look at the fundamentals, the fundamental backdrop is extremely strong. As you said, housing starts that just reported this, this or earlier this week. Month over month, we're looking at an 18% increase over June. Year over year, 9%. So housing, one of the only economic bright spots that we currently see. If we look at Bank of America's recent survey on working from home, Prior to COVID-19, only 5% of respondents worked from home predominantly. After uh, Currently, that sits at 45%. So we've seen a 9%, a 9x uh, increase in terms of the number of people working from home. That has huge ramifications for home improvement spending, furniture spending, and Home Depot sits in this category. And if we look at couple that with mortgage rates, prior to COVID, we're looking at about 3.7. Now we're looking at about 3.1%. So you take all of these things, and this translates into what what is a seismic shift in terms of how consumers spend specifically in this in this category and and Home Depot is a net beneficiary of this. So the trade I'm looking to make here is going out to the October 2nd weekly options. I'm selling the 277.5, 262.5 put vertical here, collecting about $5.90 for this $15 wide credit spread. I'm collecting about $9.25 on that 277.5 and paying about $3.35 for that 262.5, that $15 wide credit spread. I'm collecting almost 39% of the width here. And if Home Depot stays where it is and starts to move a little higher, I'll collect 2% of the underlying stock price over the next 45 days. If it ends up between the two strikes, I'll end up owning Home Depot at around $271, which from my perspective is a very reasonable valuation to own Home Depot at. And worst case scenario, if Home Depot falls apart, I'm only risking a little over 3% of the underlying stock price to take this bet. 
All right, seems like a lot of upside. 39% of the width there. Mike Coe, your take on Tony's Home Depot trade. Well, first of all, I, I, I love Home Depot as, as a company. Obviously, we have greater uh, transparency now that they've already reported earnings. I think that's a plus. The trade structure that he's talking about makes a lot of sense when you consider that right now options premiums are about 50% higher than where they were at the beginning of the year. And, of course, we would expect that given everything we've seen. But the interesting backstory here is that Home Depot shares actually are not as volatile uh, as the options market is implying. So that suggests that they're slightly overpriced. That's when you want to do things like sell uh, credit spreads like he's doing here. Obviously, the math works very nicely, collecting 40% of the distance between the strikes or thereabouts. That sets up well. And the other thing is that, of course, because that catalyst has already come and yep. gone, we're not really expecting something that could move the stock really sharply uh, against you in this case. Okay, Carter? You know, home builders this year for the first time got above their housing bubble peak in 05. We've just cleared a prior high, and Home Depot is a big part of that theme. Stay long, be long. Carter, thank you very much. All right, for everything Options Action, of course, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, if you choose to, why don't you sign up for the newsletter? In the meantime, here's what's coming up next. Coming up, Tesla splits, Apple splits, banana splits. Mmm. No matter the name or type, the options market can help you dig in without belly aching. Professor Co explains. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Well, in case you have not heard, Tesla is headed for Splitsville. That's right. Come next Monday, a five-for-one stock split kicks into effect. Of course, smart viewer, you know what that means for the stock. But what exactly happens to your options when a stock splits? It's a great question. Professor Mike Coe knows, and he's got some answers in his call to action. Okay, so yeah, obviously $2,000 per share. Oftentimes when you see share prices get as high as what we have right now, you see stock splits. Tesla is going to be splitting five for one at the end of the month, August 31st. So what that means is, what do you have to do? Nothing. This is going to happen automatically. For every one share that you own when the split takes place, you will then own five shares. Is that going to result in a windfall profit? Actually, no, because when that happens, the share price is also going to get divided by five. So if you owned one share for $2,000, now you're going to own five shares valued at 400 So what does this mean, though, if you own options? Well, something very similar happens there. So, for example, if you owned one 2000 strike call option, now you're going to own five $400 uh, strike call options. So basically, you're going to end up with... Instead of one call on 100 shares, five calls on 100 shares each, or 500 shares. One other thing to think about, there's no real arbitrage profit, profit opportunity either. If you owned a 2100 strike call that cost about $170 now, post-split you're going to own five of the 420 strike calls that will be valued at about $34. In both cases, you would need the stock price to rise 8% before you would see profits. So you will see more contracts in your account, or you will see more shares in your account. But other than that, you really don't need to do very much. And it'll be a good thing for investors, too, 
because the high share price can sometimes be a barrier to entry, both for options and for stock, and that's going to come down. Learning something every day. Love that. Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, so in theory, a stock split is a non-event here, but what we have seen over the past 30 years or so is that when a stock announces a stock split, there's usually about a 3 to 5% move over a one-week period on a stock split and about a negative 7% move to the downside on a reverse stock split. So there is some movement here. But because of the invent of fractional shares and ETF investing, stocks have really stopped splitting over the last decade or so. So the average S&P 500 stock has gone from about $50 a share to about $147 a share. So it's substantially more expensive now to buy 100 shares of the stock. And because you have so few stock splits now, the few that we have seen, like Apple and Tesla, have seen significant outperformance, 10% for Apple, 35% for Tesla. But the, you know, as Mike said, as Mike laid out, those are the the changes for a retail investor. The other thing is, if you had 25 shares of Apple or 20 shares of Tesla, you now will have 100 shares after the, the stock split, which means that now you can sell a covered call on those names that you couldn't do before because each call represents 100 shares. So those are some of the changes here for retail. But the big thing, I think, from my perspective uh, on this stock split news story is Apple. Apple takes is the, is the number one uh, name in the Dow, and you're going to see some real rebalancing flows here uh, to sell Apple um, to, for portfolio managers trying to rebalance to the, to the index. It's like virtual learning, and I'm the one doing the learning. Carter Worth, let's go around the world. Top it off. The history of stocks, the history of stock splits is because uh, the sell side wants to be able to sell more shares. Commissions are based on number of shares traded. Warren Buffett never split his stock for that very reason. Since uh, New York Stock Exchange began, average price of a stock is about $40. Once it runs up to about 120 a triple, they split it, three for one, two for one. The average price is always wanted to be, by the sellers, around 40 50 bucks, not 200 not 175 That is why stocks are split. All right, really good uh, lesson there on stock splits and how they pertain to options. All right, up next, one chip stock ripping higher this week on its earnings. We're going to tell you why that may be great news for one of your traders tonight. Plus, we're taking your tweets. Send us your questions at Options Action on the Twitter. We're going to answer some of them on the air. And we are back right after this. Oh, we got to step out of Options Action for a moment. Got some breaking news in D.C. Let's get right now to Eamon Javers. Yeah, Brian, that's right. The president's just lost another battle in the war over his tax returns. Now, a federal appeals court has denied uh, an emergency stay request that the president's lawyers had put in to stop the disclosure of his tax returns in that ongoing court fight. Uh, The appeals court now denying that stay request. And what this sets up is arguments uh, for a stay pending appeal on September 1st. So uh, briefs will be filed in this next week. So the fight goes on, uh, but this is a defeat for the president's side in trying to keep those tax returns private uh, and out of the hands of the Manhattan DA. Brian, back over to you. Another loss for the president there. Eamon Javers, thank you very much. We'll be right back on Options Action right after this. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time now to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Tony expressed some Cautious optimism heading into NVIDIA's earnings. 
there's no hiding behind the fact that NVIDIA trades at a very rich valuation, a certain, a very large premium to its peers at about 56 times next year's earnings. So as optimistic as I might be on this particular stock, I do think it's fairly valued and I think that there's somewhat limited upside. So the trade structure I'm looking to use here reflects that. I'm going out to September and I'm selling the 450, 415 put spread here, collecting about $22.60, selling the September 450s, and, collect, and paying about $10.60 on the September uh, 415 puts. Net-net here, I'm collecting about a $12 credit. Well, that delivered. So Tony, what are you doing now? Yeah, so NVIDIA did report stronger than expected earnings, especially from the cloud computing space. But the stock did open up substantially higher on Monday than when we reported this on Friday. So if you didn't collect the $12, you probably collected close to about $10.50. But you could have closed this out today at about $3.60 if you didn't catch our tweet yesterday to close this out. You're looking at about a 65% gain if you close it out today. Okay, let's move on. About two weeks back, Mike laid out a way to play Alibaba into earnings. Watch. This is a stock where the street is overwhelmingly bullish. And, of course, this is one of those reasons why, if you happen to own the stock, you might be thinking going into earnings, am I really well positioned here? Is there another way I could play it that might have at least a little bit less downside if the earnings are disappointing and still give me some of the upside? I think there is a way we can play this. I was taking a look out to September, and specifically I was looking at the 235, 260, 285 call spread risk reversal. So what's going on here? We're buying the September 260 calls, selling the 285 calls, and then selling the 235 puts. All right, so Baba did jump on the back of strong results. Mike, how are you playing this one now? Yeah, so putting this trade on, we collected about $1. I would actually close the 235 puts, and I would roll the 260 calls up to 270. Net, net, I'm going to collect about another $8, which means I'm going to have collected a total of $9 on this trade, and I will still own the 270, 285 call spread. So if the stock continues the strength that we've been seeing, yeah. I still have an opportunity to profit even further. Okay, final call. Carter. Tesla touched 2100 today. Take measures. Tony. I see a seismic shift in consumer spending habits towards home improvement. Sell a put credit spread here on Home Depot. Mike. Sell credit spreads in Tesla. All right, good stuff, guys. Really educational and informative with some profitable trades. That does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 530 Eastern. But don't go anywhere. Summer school.